0: From American Salon Magazine and .com, this is American Salon Stories, a weekly podcast featuring some of the most interesting people we know. So our guest today is Nick Stenson, the celebrity stylist, platform artist, and world-class educator slash artist. He is a multiple time Naha nominee. He's a former creative director for one of the world's largest chains of salons. Nick is the Artistic Director and Celebrity Stylist for Matrix Professional, as well as Chief Artistic Director for Ulta Beauty, where he oversees trend development and the training of professionals at over 950 salons and stores across America with the help of his over 100 Ulta Beauty Artistic Educator Team members. Welcome to the American Salon Stories podcast, my friend, Nick Stenson.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to
0: finally get you here. You and I have been trying to actually have a cup of coffee for like two years. There's no coffee today. Um, but <laughs> we're in the same city. We're recording by way of Skype because even though we're probably less than three miles from one another we cannot make it into the same room.
1: I know, it's hysterical. We have to fix that problem.
0: We definitely have to fix that problem. So so let you have a really big job and and there's so much to talk about with you. So let's just dive right in. I I want you to begin by sharing with the audience um kind of the short version of just who is Nick Stenson professionally, and, and what's a typical day in the life of Nick look like?
1: Oh, two very difficult questions. <laughs> um, Nick Stenson professionally is somebody who's extremely passionate about this business, um, extremely passionate about seeing other stylists and beauty professionals grow and um, have that aha moment. I think the biggest satisfaction I get out of uh, being a professional in this industry is being able to pay it forward. Things that people have given to me over the years helped me be the artist that I am and stylist that I am and even leader that I that I hope that I am and pass that torch around through the industry. And I have a great amount of respect for stylists who stand behind the chair every single day because I know I've done it and it's not hard. It's not easy, right? It's, it takes a lot on the body and a lot out of your your day and it takes you away from your family but and you pour into people every single day and that's really what hairdressers are all about they're about giving of themselves to people who you know need that special attention every day it's not just about doing hair it's about really connecting with individuals I'll tell you there was the clients that came in my salons for years like they became my family and they we built great relationships and to this day I still have amazing relationships with uh, most of my clients and you know, um, I know stylists across the country feel the same way. And so I feel like I'm, I'm in this interesting unicorn kind of position where I get to um, hopefully inspire other stylists with the work that I'm doing. Um, I'm connected to two amazing brands with um, Matrix and Alta Beauty. Matrix I've been with for over 15 years. I, I call it my Matrix family. And it definitely is. I, every chance I get to work with everybody in that company I feel at home. I mean, they've just done an amazing job making me feel connected to the brand. Hence why I've never gone to any other brand because I just really feel that they've always given me the products that I need to create any look that I've ever needed. And I happen to get to work with a, a bunch of amazing people at the same time. So that's pretty cool. And then within the last nine months, I joined Ulta Beauty, which takes me to a totally different platform. You know, I've been in multi-unit salons for the past five years and grew to really love the idea of you know, um, the big chain business. And I hate the word chain, but that's what it is, right? It's the big chain business. We now have over a thousand salons and um, I'm over creative of, um, of the services side of the business. So, you know, looking at what does services look like for hair, for skin, for makeup, for nails, everything, all things beauty, you know, we're all things beauty in one place. So it's really about telling that story um, to the guest, but then making sure that our, our service providers have the best work environment possible, the best education possible, and that we're, as a business, driving more traffic to the stores for both retail and service to give our service professionals an amazing career path. So that's kind of it in a nutshell.
0: So I read something recently, not in a beauty trade, but in, in more of the the business consumer side of publications. And they pointed out that Ulta was one of the fastest growing companies um, actually in the world. I mean, the growth curve is completely off the chart insane. Uh, They compared it to Amazon because Amazon, we all know, is like growing like weeds. And they said, well, Ulta is actually growing faster than Amazon. So, that's got to be really exciting for you to join a company with that kind of growth curve going on.
1: Yeah. You know, to to be honest, it's a very fast paced company, which I love because I'm a very fast paced person. As you know, like I I don't sit still for more than 20 seconds. So the fact that I get to work with like-minded people every single day that all are very passionate about one topic and that's beauty. And every single day, everything is on the front of mind and it's how to give more beauty to the world and how to make sure that we're servicing our guests with wow experiences and make sure that we give great employment opportunities for not only our service providers, but our um, associates on the retail side. We, we want to be the best place to work and the best place to get beauty services and products.
0: So let's go way back. How I love to ask, kind of find out everybody's backstory. So what drew you to the hair business?
1: Sure. Um, well, I grew up in it. My mother, um, before she retired, did hair for 37 years. She had a salon of her own. I had um, lots of people in my family did did hair, nails, makeup, skincare, everything. So um, the beauty industry was no nothing new to me. I, I was born into it, so to speak. Um, grew up going, you know, I'd go to school and after school I'd go to my mom's salon and I would do my homework there while she worked and I would stock shelves and cash people out and Shampoo hair and all those things that you do when you're in a family salon business. And um, I grew up never really wanting to be in the beauty business, never, n- never not wanting to be either, but never thought that that was where I wanted to go. I really wanted to go in the medical industry. I was very involved in sports medicine, physical therapy. Um, I was, as a matter of fact, at one point I was working in an emergency room, doing the graveyard shift on a on a on a um, ambulance. And, um, it it was, it was cool. My goal one day was to be an orthopedic surgeon. That's where I wanted to go. I was going off of a couple great scholarships. So I, I had a lot of passion for the medical industry. Now knowing at the same time that I was also in the, um, beauty industry with my mom. So, you know, I would go work in the emergency room and then the next day I would open the salon and work with her on the weekends in the salon for extra money. So it was kind of funny how I never really stepped away from the beauty business, And then I just realized that, you know what, I wanted to make a difference in people's lives, but I didn't know what that meant. And I thought by being in the medical industry, I was going to be able to make a a difference on people's lives. And then one day I was in the salon and I went, wow, I can actually do this in the beauty business. My mother is changing people's lives. I used to watch people. Her salon had floor to ceiling windows um, in the front of the salon. And I remember when I would see people walk in, they always walked in with their head down, always had their head down, looking at the ground. And when they walked out, out, I watched them walk out with their head up towards the car. And I thought to myself, now that's changing people's lives. She's giving people a sense of confidence and connectivity. I mean, there were people that would come in the salon that you would have thought were either friends or family for 20 years because of how they engaged. But you realized that they became friends by going to the salon. And I thought, wow, there, there could be something really unique about this industry and, and what I can do here. And that's when I made the decision to kind of follow my heart and. Do something that never felt like work. That was the other thing too. I'll never forget when I told my dad, "You know, I don't really like the idea of working." And he's like, "Well, nobody does, but who are you? You know, like everybody's got to work for a living." And I said, "Yeah, but I need to figure out a way where I go to work every day and I never feel like I'm really working because I I don't want to work." And he's like, "Well, oh boy, kid, you better wake up real fast." And and I did. I woke up real fast and found the beauty business. And you know, I just hit 20 years in the beauty business professionally. And um, I've never worked a day in my life.
0: So a little known piece of trivia, um, when you, I picked this up about 10, 12 years ago, and, and it has to do with people transitioning from outside of beauty into beauty. Number one place that people come from, the medical profession, numero uno. And you're part of that statistic. I love that.
1: Isn't that funny? Yeah, I did hear something like that. And I find that really fascinating.
0: It was caregivers, right? I mean, I think people who look to go into the medical field, people who look to go in the professional beauty field, you're all caregivers. So, you know, if you're looking at something else, I think there's just a natural affinity perhaps for this industry from those who are who are interested in taking care of other people. So, very, very cool. You, Okay, so you went into the beauty business, you grew up in a family, so you were very familiar with it. At some point, you became a salon owner. So talk a little bit about that journey of like, how long were you behind the chair before you did it and, and what drove you to that and what drove you to the next thing?
1: Sure. So um, the one thing my mother said was, you know, if you're going to go do this, you're, you're not going to work in my salon and, and just get you know, take my business. Basically, you're going to go and you're going to learn how it is in the real world. So I went to work for a friend of mine who owned a uh, salon in spa. And I I grew up in really in that salon and I grew on how to learn this industry really quick. And what was interesting then, he really didn't even want to hire me at the time because he didn't have any room for somebody junior and new. And I said, listen, just let me shampoo everybody's people and I'll build my own clientele along the way, but just let me shampoo and then I'll make money from shampooing. And I started doing that and then I started assisting him and a couple other people in the salon. And then I was realizing that we had this great spa and there was a lot of services there that I could start learning how to do. So I learned how to do makeup and I started to learn how to do facials and nails and body waxing and ear candling. And oh, my gosh, I can keep going. All those great services. So I, I actually started building a very big spa clientele and then wasn't doing much hair in the beginning. And then it kind of shifted. I turned all of those spa people into my hair clients. So within one year of being in the beauty industry, I had a full book. So it was really interesting how fast I was able to grow my book. And I, I did it in a really unique way. And that in, that was really valuable for me to learn all those services because then I ran with it. Like I did makeup for years. I did nails for years. I, I really loved all the spa services. And, and I was able to connect the kind of pieces together and that guest experience throughout the salon together in a really unique way. So I found that very beneficial. And then um, he opened another salon and then I kind of co-managed the salons with him and went back and forth and then, you know, said, you know, I think I'm going to go do my own thing. And at, at the time I wanted to buy a building in Bucktown in Chicago and I was going to open a salon there. So um, I was in the middle of doing all that. And then my mom said, you know, while you're in the process of doing that, why don't you just do your clients out of my salon and you could focus on building, you know, your new salon up, but then you won't lose your clients out. So I started going to my mother's salon, doing the client's. And then I remember one day I was in there with a bottle of wine and I said, oh, this place needs to be remodeled. And I started little by little remodeling her salon and it turned into like a joke. Like people were coming in off the street like, oh, you guys new in town? And my mom's like, are you kidding me right now? So um, I was getting tons of new clients in my mother's salon um, just by you know, revamping the salon in the neighborhood for her. And, um, she said, you know, after about, it was through the holiday season, we were looking at the numbers in January and she said, well, my sales have grown like 62%. (laughs) She's like, this is unheard of. She's like, I don't know what you want to do in Bucktown. She's like, but I think you're onto something here. Maybe you should stick around here and rebrand it and make it yours. And we'll work together. So that's what I did. And, um, we worked together for a couple of years and then she's like, you know, I think I'm done. I want to go live in Florida for the winters and enjoy life. While I'm young enough to, and you got this. So I took it over full time. She retired. And then um, I had another bright idea to open another salon. And um, this time I went in with a partner and opened a big salon and spa. We had 51 stylists there. Um, That was the, uh, I'll say the biggest learning of my life. Um, I've learned that I'll never go in partnership with anybody ever again. I learned that um, bigger isn't always better. And I learned that I lost the the ability to connect with the guests at a very intimate level. So for me, um, being able to deliver that exceptional client experience was sacrificed because I was pulled in so many directions, and you know it just wasn't it wasn't what I wanted anymore. So I sold that salon and kept the small salon. And then I thought, you know, I think I'm kind of had it with Chicago. I'm going to move to New York City. So I moved to New York City. I kept my salon in Chicago, and I went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then eventually sold the salon in uh, Chicago as well.
0: Wow! So you moved to New York. You sell the salon in, in Chicago. Um, I have to besides the besides the partnership thing because that was there was a lot packed into that little story. What was the the best advice that you would give to somebody? I'm going to ask this in two different ways of you. But the first version of best advice is based on your experience as an owner, knowing everybody wants to be an owner, it seems like in some ways, some form, what would be the best advice you would give to somebody who's kind of in that thought process? Should I be an owner? Shouldn't I be an owner?
1: Sure. I would say number one thing I would think about very long and hard is Just because you're an amazing hairdresser and you have a big clientele, doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be the most amazing business owner, right? There are different skill sets. So make sure that if you're thinking about opening a salon, that you're really thinking through it in a way of like, am I very strong in business? Do I understand marketing? Do I understand, you know, how to run with, you know, the taxes that are needed and how to do retailing and ordering and schedule management and all these things that go into being a true business owner. If you kind of check off all those things and say, yeah, yeah, I'm really, you know, sound in all those parts and I'm really good at hair and I have a great clientele, then great. Being a salon owner might be for you. Um, But be cautious. Just just really make sure that there's a lot of people out there that feel like because they're really great hairdressers, they're going to be really great owners and then they fail. And unfortunately, that knocks the wind out of your sails, right? And and it sets you back in a sense of like, You've worked so hard to build this great clientele and you can't reap the rewards of it because you're being dragged down by the the business that you thought was going to be one way. And it's not necessarily. So um, just think long and hard about what that looks like. I mean, there's a reason why there's, you know, companies like Ulta Beauty that provide all of that for you. So you don't have to think about it. And you could just be an amazing hairdresser in, in the salon and make a great living and go home. And, there, and there's a lot to be said about both sides. It's just really what you like
0: no I, I think that that is great advice and I think we both have met probably so many hairdressers who've gone through that same journey and what I think what sometimes bothers me most about someone who kind of doesn't make it successfully through that journey is they often come out the other side with a lack of self-esteem um, that they lose sometimes a perspective of how successful they were behind the chair because of the failure at this other piece. And it's sometimes it's hard for them to go back to that and get themselves ramped up again. And I think had they taken the advice that you just offered or or had heard it sooner and and really understood where their true passion lied, that maybe things would be different.
1: No, it makes total sense. I mean, it's not for everybody. You know, when I think about me as an artist, what gets me excited? And that's why I love my career because, you know, I love... I love being in the office. I love being around a conference room table and collaborating and strategizing and brainstorming and looking at spreadsheets on how we could drive the business. I love that side of it. But I equally love standing behind the chair and giving somebody a ma- major makeover and doing something f- completely free and creative. And that's why this is, this career that I have works for me because I get to balance between the two. So that's what you really have to know. Like what do you really thrive off of? You know, I thrive off of the business side. I thrive off of being behind the chair and I thrive off of being on a stage in front of thousands of people and hopefully seeing a lot of aha moments happen in the crowd. Like those are all exciting things for me. And being aware of that has helped kind of pave the way for me in my career to be successful because I've always kept it very much on mind that I don't ever want to be 100% business and not be creative. But I also realize I don't ever want to be hundred percent creative and not have that business side to me either. Like I feel like I love flexing both muscles and challenging both sides of the brain.
0: I think, and being self-aware is like so important and it, it takes time to get where we know our strengths, we know our weaknesses, we know our passions, we know the pet peeves, the things that drive us crazy. I, 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 um, I love listening to what you just said because you're a rare person who's kind of got that kind of left brain, right brain balance going on. Like you're like right down the middle is what I'm guessing. And that's really unusual. Somebody is either more analytical and less creative or more creative and less analytical. And you've, you've got them like, again, straight down the middle. And I'll tell you, I,
1: I believe they're trained both ways. I think the creative comes a little more natural to me. But I will tell you that I am continually challenging both sides of the brain to really make sure that I'm, I'm constantly learning. And that's the biggest thing whether you're a hairdresser behind the chair all the time or you are a business owner or you work in corporate America like you have to you have to continue to challenge that brain to think differently and and dive into the analytics of the business side but then also dive into the process and the creative side so it's important to do that
0: and today more than ever, I, I want you to talk about that from from the perspective of being behind the chair because I think you know for a lot, especially now we have so many independents and who are really creative and who really you know have perhaps the customer service side down or those individuals who are in independent salons and you know maybe it's not as sophisticated from a business perspective, but everybody's still doing their thing and uh, doing their best to make a great living. What are your thoughts about the importance of that analytical piece for someone who is behind the chair and any thoughts about kind of how best to get there? i will say you have a
1: roadmap. I think it's really important to, to sit down and understand what, what is your strategy? Do you have any, first of all, right? There's a lot of people that we just get up in the morning. We go to, we go to the salon and hope that there's clients there. And if they, if they booked the a haircut, we do the haircut and they leave. I think that, that there's a lot of missed opportunity in that, right? What kind of process are you putting in place to, to grow that clientele and to maximize the people that are in your salon and in your chair every single day. A lot of people that sit in the chair, they don't know what they don't know. So, you know, they may need a face framing highlight or they may need a trim, but they booked a blowout, right? And if you as the professional don't give them that advice, they may not know they really need it. Some people don't even realize what beauty services can do for somebody. You know, I think about when I've ever transitioned somebody from a non-color client to a color client, it's always so amazing to me how they become like color addicts. Then, because they never realize that changing their hair color could change their way that they feel and it can change their lives and give them confidence that they didn't even know they had. So, you know, I, I think about that and I think about the opportunities that we have as professionals. too. it all starts in that consultation, and I don't care if you have been in the business a day or 30 years, you should be sitting down with your clients every single time they come in and giving them a consultation. Because you should constantly be changing their look. You should constantly be changing what you're doing on their hair. This gets them excited about coming to the salon. It gets you excited about what you're doing with their hair. And it keeps everything fresh, not only for the guests, but for you as a stylist. So the consultation is so critical for me. And really looking at your book and seeing opportunities to where you know, you could fill your day up a little bit more. Like I look at, you know, our stylists at Alta Beauty. I mean, we have 25 million known uh, loyalty members in our, that shop our store. So when you think of the people who aren't booked for a service that day, but they're shopping our store for maybe some makeup or maybe some hair care products, you have the ability to walk just down the aisle, introduce yourself, explain the service, and then come in and get this great service done either that same day or the next day or whenever they want it. So, I think about that, like, how are you really maximizing wherever you are, the ability to grow your clientele, the ability to add on services that make sense for the guest. And I'm not talking about giving them things that they don't need, but really opening their eyes to opportunities on how they can elevate their look or change their look or, um, make their hair healthier or, you know, cut their hair in a different way that will give them a different edge. You know, there's so many things that you can do to empower women and men in, um, and give them confidence that they didn't even know they needed.
0: And, it, you know, it makes me think of, of two things. Um, the, the first is I'll speak on behalf of all consumers, because uh, I think as the audience knows, I'm not a hairdresser and I, I do go and pay to get services done. On, again, on behalf of all consumers, when we sit in that chair, we come to you completely clueless we we know very little we most of the time don't know what we want even if we tell you what we want and if you know that about us if you know that we're coming to you for your professional advice for solutions but we're also kind of afraid to ask for it you know so if you don't do it it just ain't gonna happen and and the assumption that we don't want it or we don't want more is is a is a bad assumption for you to make as a professional
1: no it's so true there's so much missed opportunities to connect with somebody, and you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, use this scenario. You know, if if you had a cold and you went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know what, it's bronchitis, go to you know your closest you know grocery store and pick out something from the shelf to take to make you feel better. You'd kind of look at your doctor a little crooked, like, what do you what do you mean? Like, I'm I'm coming to you to give me the professional advice. Well, I don't think hairdressers should underestimate the power of a hairdresser. It's very similar to the power of a doctor. When somebody sits in your chair, it's because they have a need. They have a need that you have a solution to. And that's how to make them look better, feel better, or make their hair look better to feel better. And with that comes a haircut, a conditioning treatment, a color service. And then, by the way, they need to recreate that look. So it comes with what professional products do I use to be able to recreate the look? to make sure my longevity of my color is lasting, to make sure I'm able to get that height on the top that you did when you blue dry it and so on and so forth. So I, my biggest advice that I say all the time is don't underestimate your power as you stand behind that chair and talk to that guest because to your point, they need the advice because they don't know.
0: And our, our, I've told this story before, but I, I think it's worth repeating. Our, our mutual friend and, and your colleague as a fellow matrix uh, spokesperson, Tabitha Coffee. Tabitha tells the great story of a, of a research report that she saw that speaks to the whole statistical look at, at consultations and that 95% of hairdressers said that they give consultations regularly to every client who walks in. And on the other side of that coin, 95 plus percent of consumers said they never get a consultation. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think some of that goes to, well, what is a consultation and how do we perceive it on both sides? Sure. You know, I, I think if you if I go sit in a chair and if you simply say, you know, um, well, do, you know, we want to kind of keep this the same or, you know, make a little adjustment, that 30 second thing, uh, I don't perceive that as a consultation. No way. And yet I think many people providing the service, that's what they're doing. And that's what they perceive. And back to your point, so many missed opportunities.
1: So many missed opportunities. You need to understand who you're working with. Not every person that comes in has the same needs. And not every person that comes in is going to want everything or want nothing. Like you really have to understand what do they do for a living? What kind of work environment are they in? What do they like to do in their free time? And you ask those kinds of questions so you can understand, is this somebody who's going to want something extremely avant-garde or is this somebody who wants something extremely conservative? By getting to know that person and knowing their lifestyle is going to help you to guide that conversation so that you know what to give to them. You know, seven out of 10 people who are not happy with what you did is not because they weren't happy with the, the work that you did. It's because it wasn't what they wanted. So it's because you never listened to them and didn't have that proper consultation. And the guest walked away going, this isn't what I wanted. But then you're going, but I gave you this great color and great haircut. How could you not be happy? Well, because it doesn't matter how great the haircut and color is if you didn't listen.
0: Yes. And we consumers, we know when you're not listening to us. And <laughs> I'll say yeah. our, our feelings are hurt.
1: <laughs> sure, sure. You know, people want to feel special. Think about it. We're the only industry outside of the medical industry that could physically touch somebody, right? And that's a very um, emotional connection that you have with people. And it's it's a sensitive um, connection that you have with somebody. So, you have to cherish that, that bond that you have with that guest. You can't take that for granted.
0: Absolutely not. So, lots of great advice um, from you to our audience. Um, let's talk about again, about great advice you've received, of all the things you've heard from so many different people over the course of your career, what what would be the best professional advice you've ever received and, and why?
1: I would say the best advice that I, I received early on in my career and didn't appreciate it till later in my career was um, the, the saying, successful people do all the things unsuccessful people are not willing to do. And when I heard it when I was young, I was like, eh, okay, Sure. And then the more that I grew in this career and the more that I'm still growing in my career, I realize when people say to me like, oh, you work so hard or you know, you're always doing this and you know, you don't have to do all that or whatever the case may be, I think to myself, but successful people do. That's what you, you do. You just do and you never say no. And I, and I don't ever say, it's still to this day, sometimes people challenge me all the time to say no because uh, I take on a little too much sometimes. But I would say for, for stylists out there, do the hard work. And you know, we're in an interesting time where people feel a little bit entitled and people feel like they're going to get out of beauty school and they're going to make a ton of money right away. And, and Hey, good for you. you. You probably will, but you have to work hard to do that. You can't wait for anybody to hand it to you. And you shouldn't wait for anybody to hand it to you. You have to get clever. You have to get out there. You have to continue to grow your, your craft by not only the education that your salon provides, but the education that your city provides and your state provides and major trade shows around the country. You have to invest in yourself. And the more that you invest in yourself, the more that other people will invest in you. And always remember that the dollar is never more important than the cause. If your number one goal is to always make sure that you're delivering wow experiences. If your goal is to make sure that you're always giving your best haircut and your best color and your best blowout to those style, to those clients, then the dollar will automatically be there. You'll always have a paycheck, but Always put that, you know, cause first and foremost before you ever do any of the dollar.
0: And I would say, add to that, if, if you're one of those people who perhaps is in a situation where you don't feel you're getting the support you need in, in the salon you're at, or, you know, maybe the team is kind of out of sorts at the moment, that everything you just said times two, that's that's when you have to go get your own education, invest more in yourself and, and not feel stuck, but, you know, uh, just take yourself up even further until you're ready for whatever the next phase of your life is.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I remember a few years back, I, this is a, a true story. I mailed in my license late for my state license. And they sent a, a thing back saying, well, we need proof of your hours. And I said, okay, no problem. You know, of your your continuing hours. And I think we were required like 14 hours every couple of years. And I compiled all of them together and I added it up and I had something like 321 hours. Or oh my God. Education that year. And I was thinking to myself, I really need to take some more classes. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a little obsessed with wanting to learn. Um, and that's just me. But, you know, it, it just goes to show you that you, you have to, you know, you have to continue to always learn. And, and I'll be honest with you, the, the more years that I'm in this business, the more education I feel I need. And that's because I never want to get complacent. And I always want to make sure I'm on top of the latest trend. It's very easy to get caught in what you know. It's very easy to keep doing what you're good at, but it's hard to push yourself the longer you're in this business to learn new things. And I'll tell you, I continuously, all the time, take advantage of whatever opportunity it is to put myself in an uncomfortable position to learn something new. Because I really believe that all of us in this industry, that's the only way that we're going to ever have longevity as professionals.
0: So talk about that from kind of the artistic point of view, because you've got a tremendous amount of passion around that. You know, I I, uh, I know Naha's, what are your favorite passions and um, what it takes to not only do the work, but to find the inspiration. You know, how how, how do you even go about that in, in the more creative parts of your work, the art?
1: I'll tell you um, a few things. I'm, I'm kind of a very passionate person, period. Like, I, I love to live. Like, I'm, I, I love life. And I love my surroundings. I'm a foodie. I love good food. I love good friends and family. I like to have amazing experiences in life, whatever that is, whether it's a boat ride or it's a train ride or it's some new excursion or something like my friends laugh because anytime they ask me, do you want to do something? The answer is always yes, because I just, I love to live. And I think through loving to live, I, I find inspiration everywhere around me. I constantly turn the silliest little thing into an inspiration. You know, I'm working on something I don't want to give it all away. But um, it was something just around, um, you know, being in in the streets and in the traffic that was going crazy all over. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to cross the street. And while I was waiting to cross the street, I created a whole concept of the next photo shoot that I want to do. So it was kind of hysterical out of this chaos that was happening in the streets of New York turned into um, an idea that I have that hopefully will be good. Well, I don't know. It might be crap, and, and I'll let you know that too. But <laughs> I'm going to you know, work on this this shoot that that totally inspired me. And and I think that's what it is, is constantly being aware. That's the biggest thing. You have to be present. I constantly um, make sure that I, I make the conscious effort to be present because it's very easy to get lost in social media, and it's very easy to get lost in the chaos of the day and how busy we all are. But I try to really check myself and make sure that I'm present with my surroundings, enjoy the moment, live in the moment, and um, turn that moment into what's inspiring around me at that time. And and that turns into a lot of art that I create.
0: So I love all of that. Um, you're a power networker. Um, I I see you everywhere. And I see you with some of the more interesting people in the professional industry. And a lot of the people I see you hanging with they're not necessarily matrix artists. They're not necessarily part of the company you work for today or in the past. So talk about um, the importance of the people you hang with and, and how, what's the important, you have such a diverse group of people that you hang with, you know, so talk a little bit about that and what it means.
1: You know, I'm fascinated by people, first of all. Um, And uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm in love with my matrix family. I think they're some of the most amazing people. I, I get giddy when I'm on a plane to go to a matrix event where I know I'm going to get to see everybody and connect. And I enjoy every moment of that. Um, and then with Ulta Beauty, same thing. Like I, it's so interesting how I finally found two companies that I work for that have kind of the same beliefs and the same energy and the same, um, I don't know, heart, so to speak. So, so I genuinely love that. But to your point about all the people that I, I surround myself with, um, this industry is just fascinating to me, and I believe that everybody comes from a different walk of life. And I have made such amazing friends in this industry that are in cross brands, or you know, not even hair brands, or in makeup brands, or they're in skincare brands, and um, the media, and different things. And I just I I find good people, interesting people, fascinating. I enjoy connecting with people. I enjoy hearing people's stories. Like even this conversation we're having right now, I completely enjoy this because we are, a we never get a chance to do this, but <laughs> b like you know um, you're somebody who I've known for years and, and respect your career path and and we have had great interesting conversations through the years back and forth and and I believe that in life you surround yourself with people that inspire you and people that you want to be more like and people that help you. Whether it's psychological or emotional or tangible technically that that inspire you to be better as a person, whether it's um, whatever capacity in your life and and I really believe that the people I surround myself with are people that have in some capacity in my life have made me a better person and continue to make me a better person and I also on the flip side of that, I make a very conscious effort to stay away from people that um, live in a very negative place and live in a very um, a victim type, you know, life. I am I believe you're a victim to your life because you choose to be. And I, you know, I, hey, listen, we all have bad days and we all have bad stints. I can tell you this road of my career has not been paved in gold. There's been a lot of um, very difficult times throughout my career, but I've learned so many amazing things through that process. So I realize that I feed off energy and I feed off good people. And uh, I just really, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the people that get to surround myself with so when we get to go to great events in this industry it's like old uh it's like going to summer camp i love it
0: how do you could i i always every time i see you when i walk away i'm like i have kind of the same thought it's like energizer bunny on steroids <laughs> <laughs> it's like you would give the energizer bunny a run for his money <laughs> Um i mean i think some of that you just have this natural energy and pace i'm, I'm assuming but but we all hit walls and, and you've got so many balls up in the air. I mean, does that occasionally happen? And if it does, you know, how, any thoughts on, you know, how to recharge yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, definitely it does happen. I'm definitely not Superman. Although I I think I am sometimes I I try to be sometimes, but I'm definitely not. Um, I'm really lucky because I have a pretty amazing family and I have a, a pretty amazing other half. And they allow me to really crash when I need to crash. And um, they're very big nurturers. Like I'll take my mom and my dad and and my other half, Jeff, like those three people, especially um, they know how to really let me just completely unwind and just be, just be, and, and be very supportive. And when I get to be around my family and that that's my extended family, both my future in-laws, my, um, my brothers and sisters and their kids and things like that, like that fills me back up. That fills my cup back up. I'm very much about my, my very tight core group of friends and my family. And that is definitely something that when I get to make a dinner for everybody and have them at my house, I love to cook. That to me fills me back up. And as tired as I may be from coming off of something, having everybody in my home and eating and laughing and talking like that does, that fills my cup back up. And then there's other things like I I definitely love being on the water. That's probably my favorite thing to do in my pastime. Whenever I get the opportunity is to jump on a boat and get out on the water and just decompress and take in, you know, life's beautiful surroundings. And that, that is probably the biggest way that when I want to reconnect with earth and really get back in and fill my cup back up, I, I make sure to do that. Now I'm realizing the older that I'm getting to the importance of eating right and getting up and exercising like that kind of stuff. Although um, I'm vain and physical, I want to, you know, also look my best, which I've got a long way to go on that, but I realize that it's not even a option anymore. It's a necessity. So um, getting up and working out before I start a day, whether I'm going to the office or doing a show, I have a better show or I have a better day in the office or, you know, feeding myself with like healthy choices versus throwing a piece of pizza in my mouth or potato chips. I have the brain capacity to think clearer and to sustain my day a little more. But on the flip side, I'm not going to give up a good cocktail either. So like at night, <laughs> I, you know, I don't care if we're going out and still continuing to work. I want a really great glass of red wine or a really good martini. So, you know, <laughs> I'm human in that regard as well.
0: And you, you reward yourself for all that that hard work. But, but, <laughs> but you also bring up a really important point because, again, we've both done this for a long time. I'm sure we both have met over the years, many people whose careers were cut short because they just didn't take the time to take care of their bodies. And, 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 and your body is your most important tool in this business.
1: I used to think that it was um, like, oh, I can't take the time for myself because I have all this other stuff to do. And then it was actually um, Ammon Carver, who's my best friend, said to me, he's like, you know, he's like, in order to give of yourself, you have to give back to yourself. And it's, it's not like you're doing something special. You're taking the time to recharge you and to invest in you and your body and your mind, and you need that time alone in the gym and or yeah. running outside or whatever that case may be to um, reinvest back into yourself so that you can give to others. And um, I truly believe that. I mean, my other half does that every single day, Ammon does that every single day. So they're really great um, examples of what that looks like. I don't always follow it, but I definitely hear them loud and clear in my ear, going, "Get to the gym." Uh, Go run for a while or, you know, take time to invest in yourself.
0: So speaking of what that looks like. So, um, Amon Carver, um, yep. everybody Google him. Um, you're not going to look that way by going to the gym. I don't know what he does. I don't know where it comes from, um,
1: but yeah. yeah, well, you know, he's got some God gift <laughs> yeah. there, that's for sure. But I will tell you, he is a very diligent, uh, workout guy. He works out every single day. He eats like a machine. He's a very <laughs> healthy eater. Um, He's very dedicated to making sure that he looks, you know, on point. And, and I really think as much as he wants to look and I'm not speaking for him, but knowing him as well as I do, as much as he wants to look good, it's very important for him that he has that time to process and think he's a thinker and he needs that time to really think through like, what's my day look like? How am I going to be the best me? What do I need to do for my team? What do I need to do for my guests and things like that? And he uses that time to really take that advantage and, and, and process his day out that way.
0: And I we're gonna have to have him on the podcast because he's just he's such a successful salon owner, educator, artist, you know, work behind the chair. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's done it all. Um, and uh, again, I've I've got I'm putting him on the list. Put um, him on, a, a good on, one. on the list. Let's talk about something I think so many people have interest in, and that is becoming an educator, an artist, a spokesperson for a brand. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a big part of your life. Um, and you've been doing it for a good while, as you, you mentioned earlier. So, any sh- share some a little bit of the journey for you in, in making your way to Matrix, um, yeah. and and some thoughts about how those interested in that, in that career path what they can be thinking about.
1: Sure, I, you know I think it's important that people hear my career path with Matrix because it didn't start at the top, and I think that's so important to understand that um, you know I when I took over my mother's salon. My sales consultant said, they're going to be doing artistic educator auditions in Chicago. And I really think that you'd be great at being an educator. You should go educate for Matrix. And I was like, I don't have any time for that. Like, I, I, I would never be a good educator. Are you kidding me? I, I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, I don't know. I just really feel like you'd be good at it. Like, you should go talk to these Matrix people. You're already using the brand. You love the brand. Like, I think you should talk to them. And I did. And I went to the audition and I was a nervous wreck. I'll never forget that day. I was such a nervous wreck. And, um, to the point where this amazing woman, Lisa said to me, she's like, okay, sit down and take a deep breath. You're so nervous, but you have the answers. She goes, now I want you to write them down. I'm going to ask you the question, write them down. Don't even say them out loud. And I would just write them all down and write them all down. And then she goes, okay, let me look at a piece of paper. And she goes, see, you had all the answers all along. And I was like, wow, I I couldn't articulate it. She goes, because you let the nerves get the best of you. She's like, but you have tons of potential and you have a gift of this um ability to connect with people. She's like, and once you get past your nerves, the ability that you have to connect with people, I think is something special. And you you owe it to the industry to share that. So I started out as entry level educator for Matrix. And I'll tell you, I, I washed more hair in the back of model rooms and I mixed more color and stocked more shelves and lugged boxes up and down uh um showrooms and things like that before I ever got to touch hair you know, for that, for that brand. And that was some of the best learnings. And I'll tell you, I never, ever during that felt like, Oh, well, why am I not on stage? You know, why, you know, I, I want to be up there and, and I knew I wanted to be, but I always felt like I had a right to earn. Like, you know, when they, when people say you need to earn the right, like, I feel like that's so important. It was a process that I needed to take. And I wanted to learn from all these amazing artists that I grew up with. And, you know, I'll never forget when I was like, 16 years old 17 years old i went to a hair show and i sat in the audience and there was this artist up there and and he was doing this great work and he said to me i need somebody to hand me some of this stuff and he goes you you you, come over here and he pointed to me and he's like will you hand me these pins and things and i said yeah of course and i was like okay and i started handing him that stuff and fast forward all these years later it's nicholas french and funny how i handed him bobby pins before i even knew i wanted to be a hairdresser and then i'm fortunate enough throughout my career to have been mentored by him and stood on stages with him across America, you know, um, and so you just never know. But it started out very, very much, you know, learning the brand and learning the culture and understanding that, you know, um, you needed to really spend time learning and coming into your own. Like I needed to, I needed to learn how to be a good educator. I needed to learn how to be a spokesperson. I needed to learn how to be able to transfer knowledge from myself to somebody else in a way that wasn't complicated. And that took years and years and years before I learned that to do it really kind of without having to think about it. And then um, I grew, I I became, you know, I was an educator for years, and then I got on the design team, and then was put on the uh, as an artistic director. And um, it's been a 15 year journey for sure.
0: So for anybody who may be listening, who doesn't know the name Nicholas French, again, I think worth googling one of the most brilliant Artists in the industry. Um, definitely. He's creative genius. Absolutely. Many time Naha winner shows up at everything. Again, such a great role model for so many people because he doesn't have to do what he does. I mean, he could, he could have been done with this, but his passion is just such a great example to anybody who wants to be successful in this business. And you're, you, 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 I mean, I think one of the thing cool things about your life, it's, it's certainly very cool about mine is we get to come in contact with so many brilliant people and learn from them.
1: You know, it's interesting when you think about how people impact this industry, you know, you look at the Nicholas Frenches of the world, right? Who they know no other way but to inspire and educate other hairdressers. That's like they live and breathe it. And then you look at people like Mark Bustos, who you just had on your podcast, who, you know, he gives of himself when he's not working to people who don't have the money to get these great services. And he, his whole thing is about doing something nice for somebody else. And that's his way of giving back. And then you look at Sonia Dove, you know, and she's somebody who gives back truly from being a passionate woman who just grew up in this industry and loves it to death and loves sharing her knowledge. She'll give you the shirt off her back. Right. Yep. So, so many people like that. And I can go on and on with the list of people because I, I do believe that our, our industry is full of pretty amazing people like that, that do amazing things for so many different types of people in the world. And, and it's, it's still inspiring to me every single day. Like, you know, I get excited when I think of the different people that I get to work with because I think, wow, you don't even realize it, but you're inspiring me to want to be better. And for anybody out there who's, who's looking to grow in their career or who wants to be a platformer who wants to be an educator, you know, connect with somebody that has the values that you have or that has the style that you have and, and, and really learn from them and understand what their career path was like. And if you're looking to go to a brand and be a brand educator don't just go to any brand and don't jump from brand to brand. You need to be with a brand that you connect with because you truly believe in that brand. You know, I get, I get the privilege of, you know, representing matrix, not because I think that, you know, they give me a paycheck and, and I can talk about shampoo all day long. No, I genuinely believe that I've been successful for the last 20 years of my career because their products have helped me create what I want. So I genuinely feel connected to that brand and always have. And until the day I don't feel connected to that brand, I hope to always be there. And and that's the thing. The advice is, like, get connected. This industry is full of easy ways to get connected today. I mean, social media, look at it. I mean, there's so many ways to connect to artists today in a much easier way than it was when I got in this business. So stay connected. Don't get caught in your own little circle of just doing hair in the salon every single day and going home. And then. In repeating it the next day, make sure that you stay connected in the industry because there's a lot of really great things happening in the industry right now, and there are great people that um, you can look up to for advice.
0: And, and you mentioned social, and, and as you were speaking right before you mentioned it, you know the word authentic popped into my head. You know, you were talking about you know really having a commitment and a love for a brand, and you know whether it's old school when we were growing up in the industry or today, and, and perhaps more importantly today because of social media. I mean, authenticity is
1: everything. Yeah, it is. I could never do this if I didn't believe in it. None of it. I would never want to do it. I, I I, will never be the guy who stands in front of you and picks up a pen and like, oh, let me talk to you about, you know, big pens. Like, that, that's never going <laughs> to be my thing, right? I'll, I'll always be the guy that comes from an extreme place of passion because that's how I live my life. And I have to be authentic because I believe in what I'm saying. And you'll know, I'm, I'm too transparent in the way in the way that I speak and my facial expression to know that if I'm not believing what I'm saying. So uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that um, if I'm talking about it, it's because I really believe
0: it. And going back to the beginning of our conversation and, and the comment you made to your dad about not wanting to work, being inauthentic is really hard work. Talking about something, a big pen as an example, or a bottle of shampoo, perhaps to a client that you don't have passion for, that's work being real, being honest, being, you know, um, true to your own self in your work. Um, I think that makes it less work-like
1: for sure. Uh, it's funny. I, for the last 20 years, I get to, I get to play with product that makes people look more beautiful. I get to spend my days with people that want to make the world a more beautiful place. And I, I, I get to kind of repeat that all the time and, and hence why a few years ago I started my own hashtag which was I See Your Beauty and it's because like I genuinely see beauty in everything that I do and and now I'm fortunate enough because that, that hashtag is starting to mean something to people so now my biggest thing in my downtime is I like to go on social media and look at other hairdressers that I don't even know and what they're doing and say things like you know great work or keep it up and hashtag I See Your Beauty because I, I love that I'm finding beauty in what people are doing. And it's cool because now people are like, oh my gosh, you liked my picture. You commented, you know, holy cow, I can't believe you did that. And I said, because what you're doing is what I'm hoping that everybody does. And that's create beautiful work for other people and, and make people feel beautiful.
0: That's such a perfect segue into the note I wrote to myself. I want to go back to something you said a a few minutes ago, and you you mentioned a fellow stylist, I guess, someone who worked with matrix. Um, her name was Lisa, I believe. And she, at a moment when you were working your way towards a brand affiliation, when your nerves were getting to you and you didn't think you could do it, you know, she gave you that confidence and, and, um, and now you're talking about what you're doing in social, which is hitting the like button, leaving a comment, doing a hashtag. They both, in a, in a way, are ways that each of us can give to somebody else. Um, it's really powerful what that one person did for you at that early point in your career. It, it, it may have changed the trajectory of your career.
1: Totally. Totally. It's interesting because I, I never dreamed I'd ever be an educator or a platform artist, right? Early on in my career. I just wanted to be a really good hairdresser that, that made a nice living behind the chair. And then my sales consultant, um, thought I had something and then guided me to matrix. And then I went to matrix and then her name was Lisa DiPerna and I met her and then Mark Lombard and those two people kind of believed in me. And then it just kind of, it just kept going. You know, there were so many people along that journey, you know, that, you know, Michael McDonough, who when I was kind of like an educator that nobody was using much, he was like, I think there's more to you. We need to like, I want to book you for more things. And I I have always given him a lot of credit for my success because he pushed me into situations that I was uncomfortable in and, and made me a better artist because of it. And, um, Oh my God, there's so many people I, I can think of a million people on top of my head that have helped me and paved the way for my career and helped me by pushing me is really what it was, you know? Help me by really um, looking at things through a different lens. And I think that's important. And in
0: a lot of ways, you know, it's it's paying it forward. And I think, you know, again, to those listening, no matter where we are in life, no matter how young we are, how old we are, there's always those opportunities that are all around us, um, whether it's the people we bump into the street and just saying something kind, you know, or it's the person that we bump into our career and maybe giving them a leg up or a word of encouragement that can be maybe we don't know at the moment, but, but could be the words that literally changes their life.
1: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I spoke to somebody this weekend at an event that I was at, and um, she said, would you mind taking me a picture with me? And I said, no, not at all. And um, we got to talking, and she started showing me some of her work, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. And we talked for like 20 minutes, and she's like, I can't even believe I'm having this conversation right now with you. And I said, why? And she's like, because I just, I follow you. You're part of my every day. And I said, "What?" And she's like, "You're part of my every day. Every day I wake up, I look for you to inspire me." She says, "And lately, I've just been so uninspired—not by you," she said, "but by thinking maybe that I'm I'm not that great, or maybe I don't, you know, do the greatest work, and I and I'm I'm not the greatest artist." And I and I looked at her and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, look at what you're doing. You're an amazing person. You're an amazing artist. And like, come to me every single day for advice if you want. I don't care. Or like, send me a note and say I'm needing a little bit of help here because I'm not feeling motivated." And that's my goal is to make sure that people feel motivated and feel inspired and feel like they can do it. Because there's nothing worse in the world than than walking through life feeling like you don't have a support system or you don't have people out there that that believe in you or are rooting for you. And I've been so lucky my whole life between my family and my friends and my coworkers, I've always had people being my cheerleader. And I, I think that's why it's so important for me to cheerlead for other people because I want to make sure that everybody knows what that feels like because it's been pretty amazing.
0: So social media, uh, I'm <laughs> assuming she was showing you her Instagram feed of her work.
1: Yes, yeah, of course.
0: And um, of course today, But again, we've been around and and that wasn't even possible 10 years ago. Someone would maybe tell you their work. If if they were fortunate, they might have some photos with them. But a a total game changer. So talk about um, social media from your point of view. How has it impacted your career and and what do you think it means for a person working in the salon?
1: I will tell you, um, it's your new business card now, right? It's your new resume. It's your new portfolio. Like It's really so critical. And I'll also tell you on the flip side of that, I'm very late to the game. I got into social media very late. Um, You'll go on all my social channels. I I encourage you to follow me on Instagram. That's the one I really focus on. But um, I got in the game really late and I got in the game because I didn't see it was so important. I didn't understand the importance of it. And I thought, I'm so busy. I don't have time to like tell you what I'm doing. And I'm sure you don't even care what I'm doing anyway. So why am I going to go put it up there for you to see? Because who gives a hell what Nick Stenson is doing, you know? So um, I I was a late bloomer with social media. And I, I'm going to be really honest. It's not until the last year where I put it, A very, very conscious effort to grow it. Um, but I will tell anybody out there, you have no choice but to invest in it. It is so important. I can tell you so many people that I know that, have built a full clientele because of social media. You know, people in your neighborhood, people in your state, in your city are looking for people who do great ombres or do great balayage or do great fashion colors. And they're going and, and trolling through the internet to find people who are really great at it. So you could build your clientele that way. You know, I remember when I got in the business, I used to leave my my business card in the the tip I left at the restaurant with the waitress and hope that she would come in to get her hair done with me, you know. And now it's so funny because that's the new version of that. And you have to be present and you have to be positive too. Like, I really I'm not a fan of people who put negativity out on social media because I think the world's full of enough of that. So I think it's a platform to we're in the beauty business. So make it beautiful. Whatever that looks like to you. You know, whether it's about your life or it's about your dog or it's about your work or I think you should do a mix of it all. But I I really believe that your personality should come through, it should be very positive. And you should post your work in there and you should make sure you're tying it back to all of the different publications and outlets out there that can help you get a little bit more exposure to it and keep growing it, and keep consistent on there. Because I I definitely think that social media is not going away. The world is only going to get less um, patient, more impatient and want things more readily available to them. And I think it's going to be critical in in the growth of our industry.
0: It's the most powerful marketing platform that the world's ever seen and certainly the beauty industry has ever seen. And to your point on positivity versus the rest, um, there's no place for negativity in marketing. And so if you take a step back and just go, wait a minute, this isn't just social, but this is a business tool, a career driving tool. Um, It's a marketing platform, the best ever um yeah keep it keep it positive yeah that that is great advice
1: i'll tell you my niece just posted something the other day on social media that made me so mad it was she was upset with the job that she just left she's not even in the beauty business but she she put something negative on there and i said take that down immediately because number one that's not what you want anybody to see of who you are you could be mad call me i invent but like don't put that out there for the world to see and, and quite frankly if I'm the next employer wanting to know about you and I look up your social media and I see that you complained about your previous employer like I don't have much respect for you so I think that that's a, a lesson to be learned by all
0: and another way I you know I always look at social and, and try to think of it in the context of the real world because it's social yes it's media but it's social so using your example yeah life gets frustrating and in the real world we would probably tell our best friend we might tell our spouse you know we'd have that moment we would not walk out into the town square or walk into a party of our friends and at the top of our lungs say, I'm miserable. Right? We wouldn't do it. And, And that is when you put it on social. And if you've got 200 friends or 2000 friends, it's like walking into the town square and screaming negativity.
1: It is. And here's the other thing too. Don't let social media replace connections with people. Yes. You know, that's the other thing too. We all need the social outlets, but You know, if you're frustrated, call your best friend and have a conversation because that's fulfilling or say, let's go for coffee or for a drink or let's go for dinner or walk on the park, whatever, because you need that connection with people. And just because social media is so uh, important to where we're going as an industry. Um, I think it's equally important to connect with people and not forget that there's an outlet of people that really care about you and want that time.
0: And also remember that um, in our business, marketing is a never-ending process and and we shouldn't limit it to social. And I think everybody should steal your idea. And the next time you're in a restaurant and you leave a tip, leave your business card. Right? Because it because it's a great idea and and it's it's another layer to the marketing you know onion if you will um, so so I, I love that it's, that's that's really great advice so I love to ask everybody the question you know what are you currently reading listening to viewing obsessing about um, something that may inspire someone else in our audience that you'd like to share
1: I'll tell you. Um... I am not the best at, like, reading novels and books. I have the worst ADD, and it's funny because you talk about inspiration. Like, I'll start reading a book, and then something in the story will inspire me uh, for something about work. So I'll put the book down, and then I'll start typing some idea that I just got out of that. So I'm terrible at really committing to books, even though I I love to do it when I can. My biggest obsession is, I think, coffee table books. I, I find them beautiful and fascinating. I love the Alexander McQueen one, the Chanel one. Tom Ford, different things like that, because those are also artists that I'm inspired by and want to learn to be more like. So when I look at um, coffee table books like that, I get um, inspired through fashion, through, um, through art. Um, I have a Chihuly one that's really beautiful. Um, so I have, I have a ton of them, but I constantly go through them and find inspiration, whether it's shape or color or design or packaging or what, what have you. I, I'm always, um, kind of intrigued by them and I find them to be uh, to be beautiful. So I would say my biggest obsession would be coffee
0: table books. And as, as somebody who follows trends in the publishing business, I would say that coffee table books are strong, if not stronger than ever. Um, coffee tip Coffee table books will not be replaced by a Kindle. They will not be replaced by, you know, digital and social. And so, um, what a great choice and a, a great recommendation. And I'll say to you, and I, I, I say this often on the podcast um, for those who are challenged with books and, you know, the world's filled with great ones. And as you say, when you get time, you try to dive in. Um, audible. I have become such a big fan of audiobooks and Audible. And I've usually got three of them going now. And I, I walk Cody, my rescue dog, and, and listen to Audible books and uh, can't recommend. It's enough.
1: That's awesome. I'm going to take you up on that one.
0: So, uh, oh, and, and by the way, when you sign up for Audible, your first two books are free. I'll, I'll, tell, oh, you, okay. I'll tell you that in advance. You can do it through Amazon. Um, there's my Audible commercial for there the day. <laughs> so, so tell everybody where they can find you on social. Um, and if you know it off the top of your head, also where they can find um, Ulta and Matrix.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, it's pretty simple. As far as me, um, you can Google Nick Stenson. I'm also, um, I have NickSenson.com. It, it links to everything that's me. And I would say the biggest platform that I'm on um, mostly is Instagram. So again, NickSenson uh, on Instagram. Um, Connects with me on there for sure. And then um, Alta.com and Matrix.com. Very simple. Um, you can definitely find out what's happening in both of those worlds. And I would encourage you if you're looking for opportunities for employment, like we have over a thousand salons, we're growing pretty rapidly um, we're on target to open a hundred stores a year for the next few years with amazing salons in them So we're always looking for very passionate people. I tell people, you know We're not looking for people who want a job We're looking for people who want to grow their career and are passionate about beauty. Um, maybe as much as I am <laughs> And um, So yeah, you can definitely link it to our career site there and, and learn more about it, but um, or you can find me on social media and I'll tell you anything you want to know
0: about it. Love it all. I love that we've had this, this time together. We're, we're doing this by way of Skype. I can see the Hancock Tower behind you. Um, <laughs> again, uh, we have got to do this in real time soon. We talk about that importance of not doing everything socially or digitally. So let's let's have a cup of coffee soon. Um, Nick, Nick Stenson, Artistic Director, Celebrity Stylist for Matrix Professional and also the Chief Artistic Director for Ulta Beauty. You know, thank you so much for being on. the american salon stories podcast
1: thank you i'm honored to be here it was great to catch up
0: thanks nick And we'll be back next week with another American Salon Stories podcast. In the meantime, we hope you'll follow American Salon on Instagram, where we're known as American underscore Salon, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash American Salon. That's all one word. And of course, on americansalon.com, where you can also subscribe to the Daily Beauty Fix e-newsletter. This is American Salon guest contributor and Hairbrain CEO, Gordon Miller. And I can't wait to bring you another American Salon Stories podcast
1: next week.